0: Hello and welcome to the Intuitive Writing Podcast, a production of the Intuitive Writing Project, a writing-based empowerment program for girls and gender expansive youth. We are dedicated to giving young writers a safe, encouraging, non-critical, unconditionally supportive space to write their story, speak their truth, and assert their voice, both as writers and as leaders. For a bit of background, my name is Elizabeth and I created this program 11 years ago because it's what I wanted and needed when I was young, a supportive place to be truly seen and heard. That's why we use the Amherst Writing Method, a radically nurturing and empowering writing methodology I wish everyone learned in grade school. You can read more about the Amherst Method on their website and in Pat Schneider's groundbreaking book, Writing Alone and With Others. But the basic principles and the ones that guide all of our classes are number one, everyone is a writer with important stories to tell. Number two, everyone has their own unique voice, a voice that needs to be heard. And number three, our voice will grow stronger and clearer the more it is supported and positively affirmed. In our classes, everyone writes together, everyone shares their writing, and then everyone takes turns giving each other grounded, positive feedback. By that I mean we repeat back and lift up the words, lines, phrases, or concepts that really resonated for us. Since we can't violate the sanctity of our classes by recording what goes on there, These one-on-one or three-people conversations are designed to provide a little glimpse, a microcosm of what happens in the classroom. You can also read about our org and read our students' words as they were published on our blog, The Intuitive Voice, with the links below. If you enjoy listening to one young reader read their words and talk about it, imagine how powerful it is when six young writers are reading their words and giving each other positive, affirming feedback. It's pretty life-changing and there's a lot more I could say about it, but I'll let these young writers speak for themselves. On behalf of all the writers at the Intuitive Writing Project, I want to thank you for supporting their voices for being present and really listening to the wisdom, insight, and brilliance of young people. Today, I am so excited and happy and honored to be able to interview two extraordinary young writers who happen to be sisters. um, Maxine and Stella Pollack are incredible, um, powerful duos who have written with us at different times. Actually, you guys never quite overlapped, I don't think. but are both exceptional and have their own unique writing voice. They're similar and yet totally unique. And I'm so happy to have them today. I'm going to have them introduce themselves. If you all would tell us, say your name, your age, your pronouns, uh, when you started writing with us, and then also where you'll be going to school, what grade or, in Maxine's case, what college um, you'll be attending in fall. Uh, Maxine, what did you start us off?
1: Hi, my name is Maxine. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm 18 years old, and I just graduated high school, and I'm going to be doing a dual degree program where I spend my first two years in France and then two years at UC Berkeley in the fall.
0: And tell us again what you're studying.
1: Uh, So I'm going to do politics and government in France and then legal studies at Berkeley, hoping to go to law school. And I also started writing with the Intuitive Writing Project, I think in fifth grade. That's amazing. Yeah, we started um,
0: one-on-one and then you joined a group of girls who were a year older than you, but you fit in seamlessly. <laughs> in fact, I remember just a quick anecdote. I remember your father emailed me before I met you and sent me a sample of your writing, a piece, a story that you had written just to see if I thought you had potential and I was like oh my god this is the most amazing piece of writing I can't believe she's only 10 yes I definitely (laughs) want to work with her but like right out of the gate you were um incredible um Stella tell us about yourself
2: uh hi I'm Stella I am 16 so I'm gonna be a junior in the fall and my pronouns are she her I go to a boarding school in Canada on Vancouver Island um so it'll be my third year there when I go back. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. And then you just started this summer, right? I did, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was like end of June. So really haven't been doing it for a long time, but I've had a lot of fun in all my classes. And yeah, it's been great. That's amazing. You have,
0: like not unlike your sister, come out of the gate, very strong, amazing writing from the very beginning. But I, I do want to say, we say our belief, and I say this all the time and I can't say it enough, Our belief is that everyone is a writer. Everyone is a storyteller because we're human. This is what we do. We tell stories. Everything that comes out of our mouth is a story. And when we're talking, we're telling stories on the air. And I think a lot of times we feel we doubt ourselves as writers, often because of English class. I hate to say a lot of us get shamed or judged at English class and we feel like we're not good at it. But we really are. And you just, I mean, I think it's not a matter of can you do it? It's Do you want to do it? And are you willing to try? So Stella, you were willing to try, I guess, because you saw Maxine. um, It didn't kill Maxine. It's not (laughs) deadly. So you were willing to try it. But you have to be brave enough to try and to give yourself time. And really, we're going to talk about this at the end. You have to be willing to sit with that blank page at the beginning. And like, trust that if you just keep moving your hand or just spit something out there's going to be something worthwhile that's gonna you're gonna wind up with in the end but that's really scary and it's really hard to give yourself um that time and space and to take the risk so that's why i'm so happy you're both here to talk about writing i'm gonna have you both read a piece and um maxine i'm gonna start with you since you are elder writer um (laughs) the piece you're gonna read um I'll just quickly mention, it's called Colors in My Head and it was written um, very auspiciously last summer at our 10th anniversary party writing party, which was amazing. So this is now of course our 11th anniversary and I just remember being blown away by it. So if you would go ahead and read Colors in My Head.
1: Yeah, for sure, okay. It was another unremarkable afternoon. I was walking up the hill to my house, the sun beating down, my legs struggling to take the next step, pondering the insanity of my own existence. As a kid, I would have anxiety attacks where I became hyper aware of my surroundings and every noise would grow faster and louder until it crescendoed and all I could hear was a deafening roar and my own frantic breathing. My therapist used to say it was because my mind was too powerful and working overtime, though that was likely his way of explaining anxiety to a seven-year-old. However, as I've gotten older, these working overtime thoughts remain. Driving to volleyball, I'm thinking about the absurdity of evolution and how we ended up with highways and Bluetooth and electric cars, or in math class, I'm marveling at how so many little things had to occur in order for everyone to be in this classroom at this exact moment. Maybe these thoughts aren't unique. Maybe the person next to me is thinking the same thing, but... Neither of us will turn to the other and divulge our inner monologues, so we instead sit at our desks and allow our minds to drift separately. I think it's easier to attribute most of my thoughts to my mind that never shuts off. For every waking hour I spend thinking about the world around me, my emotions are looking inward, analyzing and critiquing the girl who harbors them. Green looks in the mirror and points out every pimple, curve, or hair that's out of place. Sometimes red takes over and I have to turn away. Walking down a crowded street or talking with a group of people, Purple will take the wheel. He's been doing a lot of the driving recently. Purple commands me to adjust my shirt, fix my hair, stand up straight, smile, be likable, and make it all look natural. When I'm alone in my room again, Blue gains control as I reflect on what went wrong and what I could have done better. I try to bring Yellow's warm glow forward so she can shine her light and make it all go away, but she remains quiet. I shiver. Purple examines the suggested timeline and determines that I'm behind. He rubs his sweaty palms together and tells me I'm missing out. I observe what everybody else is doing, listen to tales with their wild escapades, smile, nod, and feel my chest tighten. Why am I different? Why do I think about things like the improbability of existence and Bluetooth instead of parties and boys? I sigh as I reach the top of the hill and sit on the front stairs, closing my eyes. Green, red, blue, purple, and yellow flash in the space between my eyelids, all fighting for a chance to be in front. I lean back, hands on my temples, and feel myself let go as the sounds around me grow faster and louder and faster and louder.
0: Mm. This is such an incredible piece. And it's such a, if I didn't know this was a a nonfiction piece, if this was just a, a story that I read in a, in a book, I would think this is the most interesting narrator. It's such an incredible, like if, if one created this character, it's the coolest, smartest, most interesting character. And the way this character thinks the things that they think and how they think is truly exceptional. So I was going to start with you, Stella, because I don't know if you've read this before. Maybe you read it just recently, but what stood out for you? What did you really like about this piece?
2: Yeah, so it was actually my first time hearing this. Like I've read some of Maxi's things before, but not this one. And I thought it was really cool. It actually reminded me a lot of the movie Inside Out. I don't know if that's what it was, <laughs> exactly. um, but I think it was cool how like instead of assigning each emotion like a name like fear or sadness or something you gave it a color and um like I could put together pretty quickly okay like red is anger blue is sadness yellow is happy whatever but the fact that you didn't come out right and say that like added a little bit of mystery and intrigue but it's also interesting to me is because like I probably spend more time with you than a lot of people in your life and like, I see a lot of what's going on on the outside, but I've never really heard you say so much of what's going on on the inside. So I thought it was cool to get a different perspective into that. That is interesting,
0: right? Who knows you better than your sister? And yet that's the magic of writing is that there are things, we talk about this all the time, like things come out on the page that I didn't even know they were in there. 99% Mm -hmm. of the time, I'm not expecting what comes out on the page and I'm shocked by it. And I'm, fascinated by it it's amazing it's like discovering gold inside of you and i feel like that's what this piece does is it reveals yes a character um, the narrator let's call her is anxious and she has a, a, a active mind and an active imagination but also she's so brilliant she's like we want to know more about her she's like really <laughs> cool things happening in her mind. I love the description. Um, It made me think of synesthesia, where you sort of cross-pollinate your senses, um, the way that the anxiety was described as every noise growing faster. Like, yes, we expect noises to grow louder, but faster is interesting. And then um, I love the word crescendoed. crescendoed. I can't even pronounce it, (laughs) much less spell it, but you but you did both beautifully. Um, and then the deafening roar. I feel like that's such a visceral description of what anxiety feels like, which I think everyone can relate to. And then that question of why we're all having these crazy thoughts, but that we nobody says it out loud. Um, that neither of us will turn to the other and divulge our inner monologues. So instead we sit at our desks and allow our minds to drift separately. I My feeling, I can't know for sure, I don't have ever done a survey, but I bet that most people are having really interesting thoughts, but we don't, because we don't write them down and we don't really give them much credit, half the time we're not even aware of what we're thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so um, interesting, like you were saying, Stella, talking about the colors, that each color is an assigned an emotion but it's it's a complex emotion like purple is really interesting um I love the line he's been doing a lot of driving recently purple is the one that wants you or us to like look a certain way and be a certain way and I don't know what I would call that emotion I don't know how I would describe it in such a. I don't know there is a simpler way to describe it except to name it purple mm-hmm. it's like such a great way to capture like the essence of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course I try to bring yellow's warm glow forward so she can shine her light and make it all go away, but she remains quiet. Like, I feel like everyone can relate to that, to that feeling of I'm trying to have a positive thought, but the critical thought, maybe purple would be the inner critic or the outer critic. That critic is so powerful and so commandeering. Um, Purple examines the suggested timeline and determines that I am behind. Oh, that's so relatable and so painful. Um, And then I love the question, why am I different? Why do I think about things like the improbability of existence and Bluetooth instead of parties and boys? This is the part that I love the most about this narrator and why I just, if I didn't already know her, I would want to know her because I feel like this whole piece reflects somebody who feels deeply and thinks deeply. And my (laughs) God, we need more of those people. We have enough people worrying about parties and boys. We need more people like this narrator. (laughs) Um, And then of course, how the final, the end of it comes back full circle, going back to the sounds growing louder and faster, faster and louder, faster and louder, faster and louder. That was a beautiful, um, the idea that it continues the mind continues to overthink or it's funny. We always say like people talk all the time about being too much or too sensitive. And I kind of want to reframe that thinking too much. What if it's not too much? What if we're doing it just the right amount and the rest of the world should be thinking more, feeling (laughs) more, being more sensitive. How about that? So um, I just love this piece. It's so It feels like a timeless piece because it doesn't have an end. Mm -hmm. As long as the narrator lives, these feelings and thoughts will continue and the colors will continue. Actually, it'd be interesting to rewrite, to write a second version of this when you're old, like Mm -hmm. when you're 70 or 80, and maybe there'd be different colors. Teal, aquamarine, (laughs) but anyway, it was truly beautiful. Thank Thank you for reading that. So very related, there's a poem that Stella that you just wrote following our, this was in Melissa's class, in discussion of the movie Barbie, which was so fantastic. And I love that so many people loved it. I mean, I think what's great about it is it's, of course, we would love Barbie the movie barbie but i love that so many millions of other people love it it gives me hope for the world you were riffing off of that quote by greta gerwig that is part of that monologue which is spoken by gloria uh the character gloria so i'll just say that at the beginning and then i'll let you read this poem good
2: enough okay you are so beautiful and so smart and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough She hears a rendition of this line every time she expresses distaste. Distaste for her bloated body, distaste for her tired brain, distaste for her textured skin. Never does she hear sympathy. Never does she hear, I understand, but she's aware. Aware that her comforter has looked in the mirror and felt the same way. All she hears is a compliment shadowed by defensive frustration. No one seems brave enough to admit that they share in her struggles. To say that she's good, they say that she's good enough. She thinks that she's good enough, but only sometimes. She's not sure if she'll ever know that she's good enough. At least not until they can surrender their masks and everyone can lock hands and say that we are all good enough together.
0: So powerful. And I love how these pieces are related. There's lots of um, common themes, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I'll start with you, Maxine. What did you like about this piece? What stood out for you?
1: Um, I really liked how maybe this was a personal story, or drawn some inspiration from personal life, or maybe as a character. But I think it's also very universal, like you mentioned. And you know, no matter who you are, you can find something to identify with this poem. And it also that I feel like that adds to the power of the message too. If you know, this is not just one person experiencing this. Um, it's universal truth. And I like the repetition in it as well. It really hammered home the message.
0: Yeah. It's so cool that you guys can talk about each other's writing. I just love that you guys can give each other a feedback. It's so cool to you. I've never had you in class together at the same time. So this is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, of course, about purple. Maxine's purple, which is feels like the critic. And it feels like this piece is about, if we had to color it, <laughs> purple without is that would you say that is true that that is purple is purple the inner critic Maxine
1: yeah perhaps
0: or the outer
1: critic characterization yeah
0: okay I -hmm. mean what's interesting about the inner critic it's kind of a misnomer because we think it's like this thing inside of us but it's not there by accident like no baby has an inner critic. We learn to develop an inner critic by internalizing criticisms from the outer world. So it's really always outer criticism at the end of the day. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, this distaste i of the repetition of distaste and the repetition of never does um, in talking about one's self-criticism. And like you said, Maxine, these are such universal feelings for women at least. Oh my God, I don't know a woman alive who hasn't felt distaste for her bloated body, her tired brain, her textured skin. Um, We all suffer with this. I love that line. All she hears when her comforter has looked in the mirror um, and felt the same way, all she hears is a compliment shadowed by defensive frustration. No one seems brave enough to admit that they share in her struggles. Like if we could all just admit that we, be honest about how we feel, which is what these writers have done so well. I mean, this is what happens when we write. We're we're authentic in our expression. It lets everybody off the hook. Then we're all like, oh my God, we all feel the same. We can all let it go together, which is the most powerful part of this piece, Stella. I can't even describe in words how profound this idea is. And I've had this thought before, but I haven't been able to articulate it. What if we could collectively decide to let go of all of these insane standards and expectations of how we quote should be and collectively agree to love ourselves, that would be absolutely revolutionary. I mean, that that is the revolution. I can't even think of a greater revolution than that for us to collectively as a group decide we're not gonna buy into the system and we're gonna love ourselves. But until we do it, it is actually really hard Until everybody's doing it because then you're influenced by all the other people who are still if anybody is critical of themselves, it almost feels like we should be too. For example, I'm thinking of we've talked about this in class, Maxine. Like girls have this habit of doing things like asking other girls, Do I look fat? I hate that question. Because of course everyone's gonna be like, No, you look great. But As soon as somebody asks, do I look fat? Then you're thinking, wait, do I look fat? It's contagious, it's so insane. Like if anybody has self-judgment then we all feel like we are being judged. So I just wanna have you reread this part, Stella, at the end, um, starting with the line, she's not sure if she will ever know.
2: She's not sure if she will ever know that she's good enough, at least not until they can surrender their masks And everyone can lock hands and say that we are all good enough together.
0: Oh, my God. That's so deep. That's so (laughs) deep. This is the revolution I want, where everyone can lock hands and say we are all good enough together. I mean, I don't know why we just can't do it. But I suspect that it's partly because maybe the economy would momentarily collapse because everyone would stop buying things for a moment I don't think it would destroy the economy I think it's worth an effort. we should try it
1: Um, I think really powerful too like especially that last line because it's almost like a call to action but then it's also like we're good enough on our own and like we're all good enough together but then also like we're better together and it would be better if everyone did this and I really like the meaning exactly
0: exactly because then everybody's off the hook It's kind of like, I think as I've noticed this pattern among women that we're, we always want to help each other because it's hard for us to be happy if anyone we know is suffering. We want everyone to be doing well. And so I think it would just feel like such a joy and relief if you knew everyone around you, everyone was feeling like they were good enough and loving themselves as they are. Like, oh my, I feel like it would be the most amazing moment ever in Western history. And I hope it happens in my lifetime and maybe you'll lead it, Stella. (laughs) So that leads me to some creative questions. I wanted to ask you about, you obviously knew you were going to pull something from Greta Gerwig's uh, monologue. Did you Mm -hmm. know when you started out where this was going to go or did it surprise you? And while you were writing, how was the process? Like, did it come out easily? Did you get stuck?
2: What was that like? Yeah, so I think like in the movie, the monologue is actually like a really powerful thing. But in my writing, I didn't really intend it for it to come out this way, but it almost like criticizes that line in like a very like passive sense, but where it's saying like, okay, like the narrator hears people say this to them all the time and they understand, okay, maybe it has some meaning, but it seems like they're always saying like, oh, I'm like frustrated that you can't see what I see. And that can almost be a little damaging sometimes. Like, I think at least for me in like a personal sense, when I'm feeling down, I like people to be understanding and not necessarily try to fix my problems, but help me work through them on my own. And when people say like, oh, like, you're so beautiful, like, don't feel bad about yourself. You're so beautiful. Like, it makes me so sad Mm. that you think that, like, then it's just kind of like, okay, well, you're making me feel a little guilty for feeling Mm. down on myself. And I think, like, that's an important thing that wasn't exactly addressed in the movie. And I think that's sort of where that came from. Like, initially, when I wrote that line down on my paper, I was like, okay, like, I'm going to talk about how great this is and how powerful it is. And then I started to realize, as I kept rereading it, Oh, okay, well, maybe there's actually some problems with this line and I want to like dissect that with my writing. I love. I love that. Yeah, you're right. It's absolutely true. Um, that
0: drives me crazy what you're talking about when people are like, you shouldn't feel blah 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 because you're blah blah blah. And it's yeah. like, but I, I do feel this way. <laughs> <laughs> it's very negating. Yeah, that's so I love I love that you found like the weak link in that and ex- explored it and when you were writing did how was this because you know we have like whatever 30 minutes 30 to 40 minutes to write did this come out pretty quick all at once or did you kind of have to maul
2: it did actually um normally i'm not a very quick writer i'll be asking for more time at the end of like the 25 minutes that we get um but I think it was something that I've sort of like felt passionately about and that I've like experienced in my life. So it's been a lot easier to just to put that down on paper because for me, I have trouble writing fiction. It's like, okay, well, this is something that hasn't happened to me. Maybe it hasn't happened to anyone. And I don't really know how to put this like sort of unthinkable scenario into words. But when it's something that like almost everyone can relate to, at least everyone in the writing class can relate to, then I feel like it flows a lot more easily. Um, But one thing that I like to do, I've kind of done this a bit more, especially with some of the creative pieces that I've written recently, um, has been to like put the last line down first and then sort of fill in the blank in between. And I think, um, like in some cases, okay, you have the first line and the last line and that could be the poem in itself, but then you can sort of take a minute to fill in some blanks, like add a bit more detail. And I think, um... Yeah, like even if you just had those two lines, it would still be a piece of writing, but taking the time to put some more and drawing inspiration from the words on either end like helps a lot. That's
0: interesting. I love that that's your method. That's really, I've never done that before. And I love that everyone has a different creative process. That's why I ask about this. I think it's such a cool idea to put the last, to kind of have this this end point you're aiming toward. It's like, I know I want to end up in Paris. And then like wherever, what's ever going to take to get to Paris. That's so cool. I love that you do
2: that. Um, For me too, um, I've noticed like, like I'll cut myself off when I'm writing. So if I have an idea, I don't want it to go away. So then I'll stop mid-sentence and I'll write the next sentence and then go back and try to like see how I got from this like (laughs) mid -like, like splice to the second sentence that I ended up writing, which I think also helps too, because it's like the worst feeling when you're writing something down yes. and then like, oh, like I had this amazing thought and now I completely forget what it is. And so I feel like that helps too because it like normally for me, it's something in that first sentence that got me to the second sentence. So it's easier to go back and fill it in than to try to like stir up that thought again.
0: I love that. I love that. It's interesting you talk about, yeah, not wanting to lose a thought. This is the challenge with writing. Oh, I should ask, um, do you type on your keyboard or write by hand? I, I type, say, type. Yeah. Either way, typing or writing is not as fast as our thoughts go. Like we, like Maxine's piece talked about, the, our racing thoughts. Our thoughts are split second fast. Nobody can write that fast. And so one of, I read about this recently, that the gift of writing is because it is slower than our thoughts. It does force us to sort of more slowly unpack things than we would if we just held it in our head. But then there's also the danger of forgetting something. So I love that you just grab a line when it's coming to you, grab it, grab it. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, collaging things like, oh, I need to remember that cool image yeah. over there. I'm gonna come back to that. Um, so I wonder if it's similar for you, Maxine, or if yours is totally opposite when, or at least with this piece, Colors in My Head, or I mean, anything you've written recently, do you always have a sense of where you're headed or is it more organic?
1: It's kind of similar to Stella, which is funny because I also haven't heard a lot of other people who do that. Like sometimes if I'm sitting there trying to think about what I want to write, some really cool concept or sentence will come into my head. I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. this is so smart. I definitely want to include this. But <laughs> doesn't really feel like an opening line or it's not like a plot point or whatever. So sometimes I will sort of write around that sentence and whether it's the ending or something that gets thrown in the middle, sometimes that helps me. Um, With this piece in particular, I think I also draw a lot of inspiration from my personal life. It's super easy to, I've always used creative writing as like an outlet if I'm thinking something's been on my mind or I'm feeling some sort of strong emotion, I think writing really helps me process all of that. And um, I was having a conversation right before I wrote this piece with my friend about these actual experiences I used to go through when I was younger, um, where everything around me would become faster and louder, like these sounds. And I haven't met anyone else who's experienced the same thing. And I tried like webmding it, trying to figure it out. (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't really figure out what was going on because it seemed like the super rare thing um so I wrote about it because I was trying to process it and I wasn't expecting like the all the colors and stuff to show up in the second half like they did maybe I was subconsciously drawing inspiration from inside out Stella I don't know (laughs) but um yeah it it's also interesting looking back on it too because I wrote this last summer and I think yes, it was dramatized, but I also think I've grown a lot from the person I was when I wrote this, Mm. which is really interesting to look back at. Um, I feel like now as I'm heading off to college and starting this new chapter, I think I've grown up and matured a lot, which is kind of cool. And you can see that in my writing.
0: Yes, I love that you said that. and I love that you're being honoring of yourself. It's so easy. So many people are like, oh, I can't read my writing that I wrote last year. It's so cringe. And I'm like, no, it's beautiful. It's like looking at a picture of yourself last year. This is who you were last year. This is who you were when you were 10. And each age is, I mean, incredible and insightful. And do you feel like looking back, especially given the theme of this piece and the anxiety in this piece that you have empathy for your younger self?
1: Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, I remember being really scared when I would experience those things. And then sometimes I would kind of just ride with it and it would eventually go away on its own. But, um, you know, it's it's a lot to experience. And it always kind of, especially when I was younger, having all these thoughts really made me feel like out of place, especially with people my age. Um, And so, yeah, that was hard. And looking back on it, you know, where I've sort of now have found people that think similar to the way I do and are more like me. Um, you know, I wish I could go back and tell that girl, it'll be okay. You'll find your people. It'll all work out in the end because people would say that to me, but I would be like, yeah, whatever. I'm suffering now. I don't really care what you're saying about me. In the <laughs> um, but I, yeah, it's, it is comforting to hear and knowing yeah. that, you know, yeah, yes, I'm still growing and changing, but knowing that things are starting to work themselves out feels good.
0: It's interesting you say it's starting to get better because as an adult, I mean, adult biologically, I don't know maturity wise, but biologically I'm an adult. And so when I hear your writing, I feel like, oh, that's how I think. But I think what it is is the narrator had a very mature, advanced mind in a very young body. And I think that would give anybody anxiety. Like you're having these really complex adult thoughts when you were tiny. That's terrifying. What do you do with that? You've always been wise beyond your years, Oh, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, but Also, the last question that you both sort of touched on this and I wanted to explore it a little bit is you both mentioned having an idea or a line pop into your head, like out of nowhere. And you, you have to write it down because you don't want to lose it. And then you build toward it or around it. But this is the the magic of writing well there's so much magic this is one of the parts of magic the magic of writing that where do our ideas come from i don't think we necessarily have to know but i think it's exciting to explore the idea that if we just write if we just make time for it something's going to come through and i wonder if you could both speak to for other writers who may be very enthusiastic about writing or maybe just tentative about it and they maybe are struggling with like where do the ideas come from and how can I trust that I have you know until you start writing something you do not know what's inside of you you never know what's inside of you until it comes out so Maxine starting with you what would your what advice would you give to writers about like how to make space for ideas and how to trust that the ideas will come. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think it's like any skill where, yeah, you have to practice with it. And maybe when you're starting off, it takes longer for you to get started. But um, I think in elementary school, everyone starts off writing like personal narratives. Right. And because our lives are interesting and we have, stories in our, we live stories every day. And that's I think that's a really good way to start is just draw inspiration from your own life. Um, You can just write about things that you've experienced, scary moments, funny moments, happy moments, um, and emotions are a really powerful way to lead writing as well. Um, And a lot of my writing is guided by emotions. And I think another good thing about emotions is they're so universal. So if you write something about the one time you were scared, everyone else is going to relate to it as well. And yeah, I mean, back to the whole skill thing, like it's almost like meditation. Like if you just sit there and you allow yourself, like with meditation, you're sitting there, you're allowing thoughts to come and go sort of similar thing. You can be reliving your day or just allowing ideas to come and go. Maybe you find one that you like, you grab onto it and you just get going.
0: Beautiful. I love that you compared it to meditation because it is it's sort of letting the brain does do what it does. And I also love. I wrote this down. We live stories every day. Oh my God, it's such a great quote. Um, I love that. That is really and the, a whole bit about emotions are universal. Of course, everyone knows fear. Everyone knows hope. Everyone knows sadness. We get, so anything you speak about authentically, others will resonate to. Also, and then it reminds you, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. There is, um, looking at the book, C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis. Uh, He was the one who said, we read to know we are not alone. And I think we we write to understand ourselves and then we read each other's writing to know we're not alone. And that's whenever you write your truth, that's your gift to the world. So others know they're not alone. So to you, Stella, what would you say to people in terms of how to find ideas how to face the blank page
2: yeah I think like I do relate a lot with what Maxi said but another thing that I've noticed is like we place a lot of restrictions on ourselves depending on what we think is like Good enough to put on a paper like a piece of paper like everyone has thoughts in their heads they're kind of unfiltered but when you take that minute to like write something down whether it's on pep like pen and paper um or you're typing it into your computer that is like a filtration process and i think the best way to sort of tackle that blank page is just to take that filter away to like let your brain and like your fingers or your pencil like flow simultaneously and just um, really like remove anything that's gonna make you think like oh, okay well like this doesn't really make any sense like just put it down anyways and you can clean it up afterwards and I think that helps a lot um, at least for me when I'm feeling a bit of a block is just to put something down on paper and then like examine it a little bit more see okay where did this come from what does this make me think of it's kind of like I forget what it's they're called like the bubble charts where you write something in the middle yeah, and true. then Love charts, yeah and then you do all the little branches off of it yeah. and I think um that's kind of a good way to get started
0: yeah. I love that I love that that you talked about um the filter because that's it's similar to yeah the critic that often stops us before we can get started so I many to... people sorry say that again Maxine. I was just
1: saying that she described that really well because I think yeah. that is what people put too much emphasis on oh this is going on paper now it better be good but as soon as you're able to sort of shift your mindset to it's not that serious no one ever has to see um then that helps a lot that's
2: right Take it off the pedestal a bit I think because yes okay it's like this concrete thing that you're actually writing on versus like the thoughts in your brain that are just floating around and I think when you can just connect them then everything becomes a lot more free and open I
0: love that. I love that. Yeah, it is interesting how we think we have to get everything that comes out of us has to be perfect. And that's not true. In fact, that would be so boring. Things that come out, quote, perfect or stuff coming out of AI, which is interesting. AI is probably going to generate a perfect sentence, but it's soulless. And it's not yeah. that interesting. We It's much more interesting to have a, quote, imperfect, whatever that means, authentic expression i also it makes me think about the expression um throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks like Mm -hmm. and also people say you can't you won't have anything to edit until you write something down you got to get it on the page first and then you can play with it and fix it and get rid of things but we have to let ourselves throw spaghetti at the wall first so i love i love that you figured that out so early in the process stella do you remember was it something that your teacher said Melissa said or how did you figure that out because you just started this summer which is amazing
2: how did you get to that point I think like I remember the first two sessions that I did I was sort of like restricting myself in a sense where I was sticking to what I knew because writing has like always been kind of more of like Maxie's thing like she was the writer in the family Mm -hmm. and I was like the math one or I don't know something like that um and I never really like allowed myself to explore that part of me and like when I first did my like first session it was like two weeks after finals I was still in like the, like big <laughs> zone and that's what I did I wrote like basically essays and like I think they still like carry some weight but it wasn't like when we would go around in the I guess zoom classroom during writing and share our pieces like I would be reading this kind of more like educational sounding thing and then the other people would be like pulling out these crazy poems or these like <laughs> stories and I was like where do you come up with this stuff and so I remember the third one that we did I was like okay so like today you're gonna write a poem and I sat down in that class knowing that and um, I sort of went off one of the prompts but I did the thing where it was like write the first line write the last line and then fill in the blank and I think Um, That helped me a lot. And then since then, like I wrote the Barbie piece and whatnot. And it's just allowed me to sort of bridge the gap between the essays and the like creative sort of fiction or realistic fiction or whatever kind of writing.
0: I love that you just figured it out for yourself. And also I feel like what you're describing in the class, and of course this is the goal of our classes, is to let everyone feel free and safe to experiment. But it's kind of like what you wrote about that everyone agrees we're good enough together. I mean, that's kind of the vibe of the class is, look, we're all writers, we're all good enough. Just play with it and just let yourself go and see what happens. And then you did, you let yourself play with it. That's amazing. That's incredible. You're a good example of how quickly one can just break out of the filters and start speaking authentically from your heart. But you both both did it. You broke out of your purple and your filter (laughs) to express yourself authentically and beautifully. And um, you're both so wise and insightful. I love everything you said. So I want to thank you both so much for your time and your imagination and your really your wisdom about yourselves and the creative process which hopefully many others will be inspired by.
2: (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thank you.